You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by, well, we have a full house. We're joined by GP. We're joined by Marty Foster. We're joined by Bruce Adams. And we also have a very special guest today. We have Mr. Bill Campbell, who's with us today. And I do have one fear. I do fear that we could possibly get into some uh, some horsing around. So can we try and do our best just to save that for the end, if at all possible? Because I know that... Um, I know that we could possibly drift down that path. So if we could try and stay focused in the in the interim here, and then if we can save some horsing around for the end, I mean that that would be uh, that would be great. Today we're going to be discussing self awareness and assessing your surroundings. So this is going to be a very special um, a very special presentation that we're going to be uh, putting together today. We're going to be discussing experiences. We're going to be discussing what you can do with yourself as far as assessing situations around you. Because as things continue to escalate in our respective countries. You have to ask yourself if and when there is an issue that you see arising, what can you do to increase your self-awareness? So uh, let's go ahead and get started this evening. So it's nice to have all of you here. So we're going to we have a full house this evening again, uh, and and we have a very special guest joining us this evening. Uh, We have Mr. Bill Campbell with us this evening, and we're going to discuss a very interesting topic today. As all of you pretty much know, what's happening in the West is is absolutely off off the, the charts at the moment. You've got rioting and you've got looting. You've got burning, smashing of businesses. You've got gangs roaming the streets in the United States. And so with this particularly, and you've also got it in the UK to an extent, and we've seen it. We've seen it here in the press. We've seen the riots in the streets. We've seen the beatings of police horses and, and throwing of, of things at, uh, at police officers and officers being assaulted, not just in London, but in other cities as well, uh, as well as the, the mobs coming after you know our, our monuments, our history, our, our statues and things like that and, and tearing them down. And so with all of this happening, one of the things that I, I've been kind of focused on over the last couple of months is we needed to do something on self-defense. We, we needed to do something to to kind of get people in a sense of if they have to defend themselves, because it, in a lot in a lot of these cities, and, I, and I'm, I'm not specifically referencing the UK here, but obviously in the UK, because you guys have you guys do have a, a bit of a disability in the regard of firearm ownership from a self-defense standpoint. And I don't mean any disrespect by that. That's just that's just your way. But the United States, we have that. However, you don't have that in all areas. So we're not going to discuss firearms this evening, though we I'm sure that whatever way the conversation goes, it might actually end up in there. Uh, and we can discuss that to an extent. But I, obviously, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, uh, which we can do. But I wanted to focus. I, actually, I wanted you guys to focus more so on the self-defense side of what you can do without firearms. And this is specifically, Marty, you you and Bill, this is what you guys do. Your self-defense instructors, your your martial arts instructors, your karate instructors. I wanted to kind of let you guys kind of kind of run the show this evening and and see where it goes because like I said, this is what you guys do. You put on demonstrations, you have groups come together and practice these things uh, and and you instruct people on the proper ways to do things. And so I'm going to let you guys jump into that. But Bill, thank you very much for being here this evening. It's good to have you here. Great stuff. Great stuff indeed. Yeah. Uh, I started off with my um, self-defense kind of ideas when I was a child, actually. My father uh, introduced me to jiu-jitsu and judo when I was about six years old. I then progressed on learning judo, uh, picked up a few bits and pieces along the way, got interested in Tai Chi, all a bit wishy-washy from my point of view. And then a a friend of mine said, well, why don't you do karate? And I thought, I can't be having standing still and screaming at people. I'm not having they said, no, this is a different style of karate called Goju-ryu. And I got involved and I've been doing that for the last 40 odd years now. And this is where you think about what is self-defense? Why do we do it? And uh, Miyagi, he did actually exist. Uh, he was the one who actually proposed three basic ideas. The first of all was don't be hit. The second is, if possible, don't hit the others. And the third one, don't be there in the first place. Avoid the damn thing. And so therefore, what is self-defense? Well, basically, it's avoid being hurt. Martin, what do you think? Just for the our listener, Bill is actually my instructor. So you, you'll notice I'm slightly more, uh, you know, a, a higher degree of deference uh, on, on tonight's conversation. But 
Yes, exactly. I also started martial arts when I was six years old with judo and then a particular style of kung fu and then different styles of karate later on into jiu-jitsu. And I, again, I've been, I've been studying under Bill in Goju <laughs> karate for over 20 years. And the biggest thing is not to be there. Don't get involved in the first place. We've done. I mean, yeah, I mean, we we've both been in situations where okay, we've sometimes encouraged a fight. Oh, I definitely have done that a few times being a youngster. But as as time's gone on, you start thinking to yourself, "Hang on a minute, I'm not invincible." So I've now got to think about what can I get away with? What can I do to help others, help yourself, and make sure you're not going to get hurt? Make sure no one else is going to get hurt around you. And in fact, a couple of times. I've been doing door work and things like that. I've managed to actually take hold of a car, whisper very quietly in their ear whilst I've got them a hold and said, you really don't want to do this, go away. And the situation has stopped. But where do you draw the line? I mean, what is the legal limit of us being able to do anything? And this is where you then look at what is the threat to start off with. If you are standing as a doorman, you're expected to get involved when people get upset or whatever. But when somebody comes at you directly, where do you stop? Where do you draw that line? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but it's uh, a, a worry. It is a worry. Well, if you look at someone who, let's say, is just big and strong, yeah? Yeah. And, and, they, and they're attacked by an idiot, that big and strong person is going to hit and hit and hit yeah. until the other person stops. Whereas at least with our level of training, we know how far we can take things and we should be able to defend ourselves whilst keeping ourselves out of the legal system. Sure, sure. I mean, when, when I teach um, self-defence, I don't actually call it self-defence anymore, I call it more self-awareness. And a lot of the, the class is about how would you actually travel down the street? What would you do in this situation? Where would you go? Can you stay calm when somebody's doing this to you? And so a lot of it is mind games of trying to sort yourself out before you actually get involved in physical contact. I have known uh, a lady who was very well trained in martial arts. She'd done lots of self-defense courses. She ended up getting approached by a guy. She defended herself, buried her stiletto shoe into his shoulder by his neck. The guy pulled it out and then chased after her. Now, at that point, she should have been doing, trying to keep calm and everything else, but she ended up running down the street and into a blind alley. That's where he unfortunately raped her. But she lost her calm. She lost her cool. And as she ran down the street past front doors with windows, she didn't think once of knocking on a door, smashing a window, anything like that. And so her self-defense, physical self-defense failed her because she wasn't mentally still aware. So what would you, I mean, how would you therefore teach somebody? How would you encourage them to be confident enough to stand up to someone? Uh, it's difficult. I mean, you, when we teach a class, I've got various levels of ability within the class. And I look at there's some who want to fight. There's some who just want to learn. And then there's that group in the middle who want to learn it for their defense, their confidence to know that if somebody comes towards them, were trying to do something, there's that reasonable force back that they can control. And this is where the police always get involved. And um, I've had it quite a few times when doing door work and looking after people. They say, well, how far did you go? Why, why did you reach that point? How did you reach that point? You have to explain the whole situation. But you then have to explain, well, I could have gone further, but I decided not to because the other guy had now stopped. So where do you draw the line? What is self-defense? I think it comes down to the individual, doesn't it? That, I mean, that's that's how I look do. at it. It's it's the situation and it's also the character of the person and how they assess the situation. And then they make the decision on whether or not they're actually going to take action in that situation. See, sure. when when I was brought up, I mean, I had different I had a different kind of training. I didn't have any of you know, what you guys are doing. We, we we practiced holds and restraints because it was a type of law enforcement training. So it was different, but it still had the same basic concept in some respects, because that's where some of those things came from. Wrist locks and, and you know, uh, pressure points, sure. things like that. But it was always we, we were also taught how to how to focus and this is the most difficult thing because you can't really teach this. You have to learn it. And it's it's yeah. a, it's a learning process that takes time. You have to learn how to maintain focus when your adrenaline is rushing, because as your body takes on more and more stress, 
then it causes your body to lose the ability to to reasonably make decisions. So you can't you know, your your brain's taking in more information simultaneously, and your your body's becoming more stressed, and you can't think, you can't focus. And so to us, when when we were being trained to do that kind of work, it was always about in the heat of the moment because you had to make the right decision. There was no such thing as a wrong decision. You made the wrong decision, you were going to be held accountable. So yeah, yeah, you you have to make the right decision. And it, again, it comes down to the character of the person. I, I think, in, in my opinion, and what decisions they're willing to to take that's going to affect that situation. I, I totally agree. Um, I was uh, with a, a friend of mine and we were going through good old Portsmouth City and we were approached by these gentlemen and it was quite late at night. We've had a few drinks. I'd been partially trained by that time. I was about halfway through my grading system. I was just about to join the Navy. So I was up for anything. My mate had never done a bit of martial arts in his life. However, he struck a pose drew his hands back as if he knew what he was doing, did a kind of kung fu noise, and they all ran off, went, sorry, mate, we ain't going to bother. And I turned to him and I said, look, you don't know any martial arts. And I said, no, they, they see me as a Chinese person waving my arms around thinking I'm a martial artist. And they thought they were going to get a beating and they ran away. And I thought, fighting without fighting, how perfect is that? Uh, and that was a, an ideal situation where we could have got in serious trouble. But the flip side of it, again, good old Portsmouth, and uh, me and my friend who just passed his black belt, two or three shadows behind us when we were standing into a, a shop window, got beaten to the floor. It just proves no matter how good you are, uh, there's somebody who's going to creep up behind you with a baseball bat, they're going to do you over. So it, it's really weird when you turn around and say, right, I want to control the situation, I want to do this. And when I'm teaching overall, and I said, the one thing that you need to survive out of all this or take away from all this is your survival. And being in control, and it's the control part that wins in the end, because as long as you're, like you said, as long as you are consciously aware of what's going on, you haven't lost that control, like a woman running down the street and so forth. You keep that control and you know how this is going to progress one way or another, you can make some conscious decisions. And that conscious decision may be to actually stop. And if they've got a knife against your throat, unless you know how to get rid of that knife, you might as well just let them hold you because there's nothing you can do right there. Unfortunately, in this country, knife crime is increasing. And a lot of the comments I get from a lot of students is, how do we do this? How do we do that? Uh, my advice is just don't be there. But we do touch on various aspects where we then control the other knife, what's going on, where it's going to go, how it's going to work. There are things we learn as forms called catters. And we're the first catters that the children and some of the adults learn is a kind of good old crush main number one. And it's designed to actually put basics together and let them flow and make them work. And then as they progress on and their mental ability increases, they then understand how various forms then alter. And then I get to the later stage, I've got a, a lad who's passed his third Dan black belt. He's now going towards fourth Dan. And I've given him a kata to learn, which frankly, everything in there kills somebody every single section of that moves. And I say to him, I said, do you have to go that far? At what point can you stop? He said, I can stop at any point. I know when to stop at any point. I can control this situation where you're halfway there. So that's, that's the way to look at it, I suppose, when you're fighting a situation, being in control. You were one of the first people to introduce me to the concept of mastery learning <laughs> all the way from unconscious incompetence. So that's right. You, so you don't know you're getting it wrong. <laughs> all the way through to unconscious competence where you do it without even thinking. And if you are going to take the fight and stand your ground, then you you have to have, uh, have studied for a considerable period of yes. time. However, there are techniques and hints that people can learn that will allow them to break contact if they've been grabbed or if someone's getting too close and run. Now, one of the reasons I decided to learn martial arts was as a kid, I was picked on, I was bullied, and being a little chubster, I wasn't a very <laughs> fast runner. So the option of flee or fight just boiled down to fight. So I learned martial arts, and there was something earlier on that just made me think muscle memory. And, and that's what we do. We train to a point where the muscle memory kicks in. So you've always got something you can do when you're being attacked. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's a perfect answer. That is the perfect answer to everything. So you then look at uh, what we then teach the student who is learning self-awareness and self-defense. We teach them just enough 
to cause a bit of pain, get out of whatever they're doing, and then get away. And as long as the student's willing to repeat that over and over and over again, and it sticks, then they will do it. And some of the simplest moves will get you free. Uh, and that's all you need to do. get free to go find someone, knock on the door, smash your window, shout fire, never shout help. Fire is always the best one because people are nosy. And then get out there uh, and then get away from the person. And therefore, you will get help one way or another. It's unfortunate that, you know, or fortunate in some ways, that we are lucky enough to have the ability and the, the space and the training to be put towards us and given the opportunity to actually do it. I mean, joining the Navy then helped me then play around with the Marines and the SBS guys and everything else. And so they taught me a different way of using my martial art, and more aggressive, but very effective. But at the end of the day, I still look at situations and yes, I can do all sorts of wonderful things, but I will go somewhere, I'll survey areas, I'll look, and I think, is there any threats here? No, right, I can relax now. Uh, but that's always in the back of my mind, always in the back of my mind. And it's, it's again, controlling the situation. In some ways, it's quite sad because you go out in the street, you go for a nice walk or whatever, and then so you start seeing people shouting and enjoying themselves or whatever, your mind instantly goes back to, are they a threat? What are they going to do? And so forth. It would be nice, I suppose, just to walk on the street and not even think about it. But yeah. because it just keyed up that the whole way. Now, we, we've done podcasts on situational awareness and all, all of these sort of things tie into those. But it just occurred to me why, you know, do you remember how difficult it was to drag you to a pub to go and listen to the band yeah. that time? Yeah, that's simply why. Be, simply <laughs> because we've both got it, levels of paranoia yeah. um, that don't unnecessarily allow us to to enjoy a pub because the, the trouble is there's there's always someone there that's had too much to drink who might overstep the mark and could be a threat. So with your radar going constantly and uh, and that I, I can see why you don't necessarily enjoy a pub which makes you think about the weird and wonderful things i do in my life and jobs and so forth i come in yeah. contact with members of the public constantly but it's uh, assessing a threat straight off from the onset you just try to talk them down or talk to them nicely um one of the other jobs working as security for a theme park i come across what was known as travelers who are Irish hard nuts, shall we say, and very up for the fight the whole time. And they will try anything to steal, get in for free and do whatever. As security, my job is to counter all that and to actually talk to a guy and actually say, look, you don't really want to do this. And eventually talk them down and get them to actually then come into the park quietly and then realize they're going to get more trouble from their family because they've been out there too long rather than from me. So sometimes just talking to people works as a self-defense. I think that's a quite nice way of doing it, I suppose. But you mentioned, you know, as well as you mentioned I, about, I'm sorry, you, you mentioned about it. I just want to jump in here. You, you mentioned about assessing a threat. Yeah. Let's let's walk through let's walk through how you actually do that. So if someone is actually if a listener's in this situation, it, let's say let's just take the average person that's never done any type of, of self-assessing when it comes to assessing a, a possible situation. What would your advice be to them if you're talking to them for the very first time? Well, the first thing you want to look at is what is the person in front of you? What's their mannerisms? What are they doing? Are they red-faced and shouty or are they gone very calm and white and the lips have gone pursed? Because the calm white person is more likely going to go off on one rather than somebody who's shouty and red-faced. The shouty red-faced man is a bit like a gorilla. Big lots of noise. I want to scare you. I want to threaten you. And it won't take much for him to kick off, but it's then understanding what's going to happen. And then you get the the nasty little ones, the person who's got white in the face, pursed lips, and a bit red around the eyes. They're like the monkey attitude where it just takes a fraction to go and they will flip at the slightest moment. So it, it's first of all, it's distance. Keep distance. Be observant. Are they clenching their fists? Are they hunching their shoulders? Are they getting aggressive? Are they shouting or trying to keep the voice calm? Where are they looking? Are they looking directly at you? Where are they standing? Are they presenting themselves in such a way where they can actually then swing something? Because it, nine times out of ten, when somebody tries to punch, they hide it. Um, or they were going to start bringing their hands up. So it's always that distance. Keep that distance. And first thing to do, if somebody ever comes towards you, just put your hand up dead flat towards them and just shout stop as loud as you can and that tends to shock enough people to go what hey, uh, okay i'll stop now 
So that that's a basic situation where somebody's coming to, towards you and you want to try and okay, like I now need to control the situation. So you look at them, you assess if they're going to carry on going at them. You've tried to talk to them. You're not going to get, get anywhere. Now you're looking around for help. If you can't find help or nothing nearby, then still got to talk to them constantly and as you talk to them constantly and the distance closes down you now need to look at where all their arms and legs all the tools they can use against you if they've got something in their hands are they hiding something have they got a friend nearby or whatever because you can't focus on just one you may have to focus on two or three now i know that in some cases mark you've you've had a few scuffles with various people uh, what's the largest number you've actually played with in one time um, two lots of six. Good Lord. But that was, the, that was because it was two fanfuls of Royal Naval Provost. <laughs> of course. Uh, and to be fair, the only reason I'm probably not serving a life sentence is that I didn't use any strikes against them. I, I simply used casting techniques, locks, gentle throws where I placed them gently on the floor. But it, it, it did take 12 in total Crikey. Royal Naval regulators to put me under arrest. And that was because I was drunk. Uh, yeah. So we, you know, this is shameful for me to admit, but it, it did happen. It is part of who I am. But yeah, uh, two lots of six. The first, wow. the first six I took care of. I ran away a little bit, very slow, because I'm a chubster. And then another another six came and affected the arrest, but they they managed to to all rush me at the same time, which was probably the best thing they could do. I mean, the the, the most I've ever had to deal with is six, but the the approach was very different. They they wanted to hurt me, they wanted to rob me or whatever, and it was very near my old house actually. And basically, they gathered round. I had my back towards a, a small. And I just basically said to them, the first person comes towards me, you're going to go home with a broken leg. First person came towards me, I stamped it through to the floor. The ensuing fight ended up quite violent, but the last two ran away. Um, I stayed. I offered first aid. I waited until the police arrived. I gave my statements and everything else. And I never heard anything more after that. But again, that is pure self-defense. But as a copper pointed out, do you really have to break the guy's leg? Do you really have to go that far? And I had to admit no. So I got in a little bit of telling off and so forth, but there's other times when I have somebody's trying to rob me, and this guy who's built like a string bean, about 90 pounds in weight and total, uh, he hit me so hard when I was at a cash point one time, he put me down on my knees. I, he wanted to try and take my money, so he tried to do it a second time, so I, I kind of rearranging his arm for him. I made sure that I was look, being looked after. I looked across, and there was a girl sweeping the pavement outside of Burger King. And I looked at her and said, did you see all that? She said, yep. Should we go down the police station together? So in some ways, yes, I can be violent. And I hadn't controlled that situation very well. Neither of them really very well. If I had done so, nobody would have got hurt. But it's then the process of doing the right thing afterwards, where you involve police, you involve hospitals, you put yourself forward and say, yes, I did do this. This is what happened. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to suffer consequences that follow. How dare you yeah, talk I mean, about personal responsibility? How dare you? We, we, can't, we can't have that here. If, if I look at times when I was justified, because that yeah. time when I took on two lots of RN policemen, I wasn't justified. I should have just let them arrest me. But uh, on, the, on the occasions when I've been entirely justified, I have broken a man's arm when I took a gun off of him. Yeah. I've also put a knife into someone's thigh Again, in a, in a street robbery situation where the guy pulled a knife and, and I redirected it into his own leg. Um, <laughs> I've also, uh, I mean, this happened in Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela is a, a, a rough country. I mean, there's, there's so much crime. Um, the, you know, South, South America, yeah, South America is, is a risky place a lot of the time. But in this particular place where we were, we were told, you know, don't go there. And if you do go there, go by cab and leave by cab. Well, when I went to leave, there were no cabs. Uh, and three guys came to try and rob me. Two smaller guys and an absolute honey monster. I don't know if you ever seen do you have Do you have sugar puffs in America? We do, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the honey monster, the, the great big 
hulking giant of a thing. And this guy was so high on coke that he wasn't feeling much pain. The other two I dealt with fairly quickly. But this third guy, I literally had my right hand clasp fully around his testicles and was was tearing. And my left thumb was all the way to the, you know, the last knuckle into his eye socket before I could get this man to let go of me. Um, Crikey. So he was determined. He was determined, <laughs> but, now, but now he's childless and half blind. So, <laughs> in some ways, we're very, very lucky. Uh, both Mark and I are, are trained, uh, and we have been trained, and we have these skills. We have the muscle memory. We have all those bits and pieces. But the average guy on the street doesn't. They may think they are a bit of a boxer because they've done boxer size at the gym or they practice on a bag or something like that. Or the, the girls think they've, they've done some training and this and the other. Yeah, I, I get that. But nine times out of ten, the, the problems occur on two different levels. One, you've put yourself in a situation like a, a riot or something's going on and the person's coming towards you. They're, they're going to rough you up. You shouldn't have been there. You should get away. As soon as the fight starts, get out of there. And the other side of it, a personal threat where somebody is doing something in your own home or outside on the street and one-to-one or one-to-two or whatever. And so trying to get people to be consciously aware of what they could get themselves into is, is quite a situation. I had a lovely lady who I trained um, only for a short time and her ex-husband would rape her and he would force her on the floor, put a hand around his, her throat and then actually do the deed. I showed her how to get out of that quite simply, and actually cause a bit of pain on the return. She burst into tears. She said to me, if I'd known that years ago, that guy would never have hurt me. And so you think, we're now doing a good thing. We're now doing that little bit where we're training a complete novice to think clearly enough to actually then defend themselves. Right, right. That is is self-defense in some ways. The the big kind of glorified, big punch-ups and things like that. Yeah, we've put ourselves in the situation or there's a problem in the neighborhood or whatever, and you've walked into it. Okay, we are okay to have strained up, but the average Joe wouldn't have survived any of those. And so in some ways, we're incredibly lucky. Uh, our masters and who have trained us in the past have given us the opportunity to actually save ourselves and possibly save others. But to pass that knowledge on is our responsibility to actually make sure people do know how to defend themselves in one form. Or another, is it a classwork sitting there just talking to somebody about it? Fine. If it's a few little exercises they can practice, fine. If it's a full-on fight and they have to really get out of something, fine. But it's down to that individual to actually want to train, want to know how to defend themselves. And that's a big issue. A lot of people can't be bothered. You, you mentioned there about uh, about avoiding situations. You know, one of the yeah. things we we talked about, and, and you touched on this as well when you were talking about uh, assessing certain situations. When we've talked about that, Marty, you and I have talked about that on the past podcast we've done about situational awareness, and we're sizing up everything. I mean, we're we're down to the point where I don't care if I've gone into a building a hundred times or the first time I'm going into it. I'm already clocking the exits when I walk in the door. Not to mention the fact I've parked in a spot all the way out at the end of the lot where no one's around, so I can figure out how to get out of there if I have to. You spoke about avoidance, and, and I want to I want to kind of get you know focus on that yeah. at the moment. Avoiding a situation, people have to understand. We were talking about assessing the situation. They have to understand how to assess the situation in order to avoid it later if it if it escalates. So yeah. for people to to pick up on the actual marks of the assessment, what are the key things that people would look out for rather than being involved in the situation if they're looking to say like I just said, find one of those exits and get out of that situation. What are the key marks that a situation is actually escalating that a person may or may not be involved in that they might just want to bug out of? So what, what would you tell someone like that? Quite simply, if, you, if you're in a pub and um, a guy walks in with an AK-47, puts on the counters, oh, could I have a pint of beer, please? <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be looking for the nearest exit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. right. Good example. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you'll be throwing small children, little old ladies behind because you are the one that's going to be saved. You need to get out of that door. That, that's, that's the way it goes. Um, they say on airplanes as well, when there's an emergency, the, the old masks come down, you put it on yourself first before helping anybody else. So <clears throat> you're protecting yourself first. So again, if you're in a, an area where something is about to kick off or something's going to kick off, it's going to be done by somebody doing something. So therefore, you get an increase in volume. There is a bustling sound. People are getting shoved around. Do you therefore that point look towards where the problem is and therefore go and try and help or do you therefore look for the problem is and go in the opposite direction and that is the first level 
if you are 100% confident and you've been military trained and you've got up the yin yang and you can do judo chops and this and the other, and you feel confident enough to go in and help out, or you're a copper or whatever, then fair enough, you will go towards it. If you're the average person, you're not going to help much. If you're not confident enough, you'll just get in the way. And so go and save yourself. Walk away from that situation. Be gone. Disappear. Take as much information in your head as possible so you can report it later. That's the, the opening scenario. You're looking constantly looking aware, looking around and being aware of what's around you all the time. Has the guy in the corner had 15 pints too many? Uh, has the lady in the high hills just fallen over headfirst into the guy's lap on purpose? You know, these are the things that you start swinging on to, going, okay, I shouldn't really be in this pub. I'll have to go and find somewhere quieter. Off you jolly well go. If you walk into a, oh, a, a, a big presentation and lovely things are going on around you, you're very unlikely to think about there's going to be a problem. If, however, if you can walk into what potentially could be a riot, there is going to be a problem. So, again, do you work out that idea of if I turn up here, am I adding to the problem or am I going to take the problem away by removing myself and my family? So it's that then protective idea. Judging a situation, any situation, you can't actually turn around and say, this will happen. You can't say these are the, the sequences of events that is going to cause this problem. You can't do that. What you've got to be aware of going, I don't feel right. This doesn't look right. That doesn't sound right. Doesn't smell right. Whatever. I'm going to move. I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. And so assessing a situation is just being consciously aware. That's why we've changed it from self-defense to self-awareness, because you're then being aware of you and your surroundings the time and even if you even if somebody just remembers that word self-aware well certain words self-aware they will then go okay what's going on around me and it then kind of expands on various other things you've got little johnny playing by the edge of the sea a big wave comes in you're now being self-aware that kitty's going to be washed out the sea and help that kitty do so so those little things start to pick up but if you're not consciously looking around and somebody creeps up with a baseball bat then they're going to still going to get you no matter how you look at it so to say, what are the key figures or uh, situations that are going to kick off? You can't, can't nail them down. You can't say, if this happens, then this happens. If this happens, the next bit will happen. You not, can't say that. Not entirely, but... Um, you have a damn good idea, but... Yeah, well, well, one of the, the biggest contradictions in terms is that, you know, where people go out to the pub to have a good time, <laughs> quite often they don't have a good time. What they're looking for is trouble. Yeah. Um, and they wear uniforms. That's another great thing about them. They actually give you a big indication as to whether or not they're trouble or whether they're quite safe to be around. You know, the, the, in the UK, the football hooligans, which still exist, the, the firms as they call them, they all wear this particular clothing brand. And I can't remember what it's called now, but it's, no, got, it's got like the NATO star on the arm. You know, they're, they're yes. so on badge, something like North Harbour or something like that. And, you know, if you walk into a bar for, for a drink and a bite to eat and you find that it's full of people wearing this clothing brand, all with very short haircuts and snarling at you, you know that perhaps you ought to go and have a McDonald's instead. <laughs> Other fast food chains are also available outside of COVID restrictions. But if you walk in and 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 the guy is and the guys are sat there in flannels reading a book and uh, holding a pipe, they wouldn't be smoking it because you can't smoke a pipe indoors anymore or anything for that matter. Then you know you should be okay because they're all Gojiru masters and <laughs> and they're no trouble at all. So <laughs> you, you can read the situations. You can walk in. You know, even if you have. Walked but then again, into that's exactly what I said. Though it's yeah. being self self aware, isn't it? Yeah, but there, there's lots of clues. One of because obviously this is. This is martial arts through the medium of audio, which is really, really hard to do. And there are things, there are little things that we could mention now that people will be able to use almost immediately. And you can, with caution and care, even practice it with those that are with you. For instance, if someone grips you round the wrist, the thumb is the weakest joint in the hand. So if you want them to let go, you simply rotate your wrist against their thumb and you'll find that no matter how strong they are you will be able to release that grip what you do with it after that is up to you but i would suggest if someone has grabbed you and let's say you're a lady 
the first thing you should do is break that grip and run and then do all the things that Bill mentioned earlier on. Knock on windows, shout fire, draw attention to the situation. So what have you got, Bill? I'm sure you must have another one that we can explain over the medium of, of radio or... Quite, quite easily, actually. If It's the hands around the throat, isn't it? Uh, yeah. There's there's the form of strangulation where they're cutting the blood supply off either side of your head. And so putting your arm, your right arm or left arm, up through the two arms around your throat will release one side or the other. Once you've done that, you then take your hand and rake down the person's face, trying to find eyes, nose, lips, anything, trying to get to the side of the neck. And that way you'll be able to shrug them off because they lose that grip. As Mark said, those thumbs, the longer, as soon as they lose contact, then you can get away. And then also another simple thing, if someone's got your hand around the throat, they need to actually push you against a wall to actually make it work properly. You walk backwards, they can't put the pressure on very well. And you can actually move and turn sideways and get away. So a lot of it is actually down to footwork as well. If you watch a boxer fight, he has his feet planted. And when he wants to have that really big punch to go in, he'll twist his hips, he'll thrust the punch forward, and he'll go up on his toes to gain that extra couple of inches as such. So if you can imagine you are being strangled around the throat, you push your arm up in between, you go on the tip of your toe and your back foot and drive forward with your thumb, into the middle of their chest or into their ribs, then they will let go. They will let go and you'll be away on your toes. Uh, so there, there's a couple of simple things to actually then go away with. But again, it's, we, we look at it in martial arts. We, we talk about things called a teme, which are points on the body, which you can poke and prod. And even if you just sit by yourself and start prodding your body, you'll go, oh, that really hurts. I don't want to do that again. So the next time somebody grabs all you, you go, I have some of that. Then they'll let go. Oh, there you go. It works. So it's yeah. nice play, playing around with the human body, isn't it? it well, you, as, as you do to be most weeks. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the, don't try the raking this, down the eyes thing at is home. This why you come back, no. Is this why you come back on like Tuesdays and Thursdays and you're in pain and you're screaming before we start recording? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah okay. All right. All right. Just, just checking. Just making sure. Uh, yeah. I'm very cruel on his knees. I make him do things he doesn't like. Yeah. Oh, I mean, right. Physics, basic physics. Yeah. You might not have the strongest punch in the world, but if you can, whatever force you can generate, if you can put that down to a smaller surface area, then it will have an effect. So if you're walking down a dark street at night by yourself, which you shouldn't be because you should have already been aware that that would be a bad thing to do and arrange to have someone with you or go home a different way, if you've got stuff like a key in your hand, so if someone does grab you, a strike to the middle of the back of their hand with a key clenched in your palm makes them let go. They, that will give you that split second you need to run. In Japanese, there's a thing called a kubaton, which is a short baton, yeah? Oh, yes. And, I mean, there's advanced techniques that you can do with a short baton that, that no policeman on earth is going to arrest you for as having an offensive weapon because it only needs to be about four inches long and just slightly thicker than a pencil but th th there's advanced techniques you can use with that but simply holding it in your hand and using the tip of it to strike into vital points the groin heaven forbid you have to do this but the eyes Ouch. um the as i said the back of the hand into the the bony part of the chest right and rake it down the sternum it makes them think twice about continuing their attack yeah i mean we were also taught the uh we were also when i when i got cubiton training we were also of course it was it, it's the it was a 16 inch uh asp that we were taught with the the baton or uh, yeah the asp or baton we were trained with but yeah. compressed it's down to six inches so i mean it's 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 quite manageable uh, and it's a cubiton when it's collapsed and so yeah. we were taught in the way that i was trained we were taught of course last resort windpipe you know hit hit the windpipe and also you can rub it if they've got you clenched like they've got their arms around you and they've got you somehow locked up. You can take it and you can rub it in between the rib cage, like in between a couple yeah. of ribs. That'll agitate yeah. that. They'll they'll let go of you pretty quick. Uh, and also, is always a good one as well. Yes, yes. Underneath, underneath where the carotid artery <clears throat> is and also down the um, the top where the collarbone is. That point there, you push that down into there and they'll they'll go down pretty quickly. So, some of the more advanced techniques with the Kubaton, for instance, we use during a, a vehicle checkpoint. If we know that the vehicle is a suspect vehicle and we are going to make a, an arrest on the x-ray inside, as we ask them to pass their 
paperwork out of the window, you use the Coupeton to effect a wrist lock. So it then rolls up the bony edge of your arm into mm-hmm. the point just below the thumb. And back in the old days when cars had manually wound down windows, I've seen a guy undo his seatbelt, wind the window down and climb out of the window <laughs> while I've got this lock on his wrist. It is so painful. <laughs> so I've got, to, I've got to say, though, when you, when you look at what we've been talking about, um, there is no rules, but there is rules, really. There's the common yes. decency rule, but there's also the rules of what should you do can you get away with i suppose uh what does our law let us do and in britain it's uh, the reasonable force law uh what is the reasonable force well if somebody's trying to cave your head in with an axe you stop them and you can stop them in any way you like but you stop them if somebody is just going to punch you straight in the face the reasonable force of back is to punch them straight back in the face again but in theory you're always trying to take that one step below what they're giving you but you look at sport karate, you look at sport, any martial art, really, and also boxing and so forth, even MMA. They can be really well trained in those, but there is still rules. And so we look at when we teach the self-defense or self-awareness point, the actual physical self-defense part, there is no rules. And so you're allowed to poke, push, grab, stab, anything you like to get that one step away to actually keep you free. Uh, and that's where really self-defense is. It's that I can now do anything I want to get away and I will do anything to get away. However, and this is a big however, what if somebody is hurting your nearest and dearest? What do you do then? You may want to go to the full extreme, but where do you draw the line then? Because emotion and start to cloud situations. Uh, again, a good friend of mine, a brilliant instructor, end up stopping one of the major roads in Fairham because he ended up in a fight in the middle of the road outside a pub because this guy had insulted his wife and then shoved her. He got somewhat clouded with his uh, emotions and the fight ended up in the middle of the street and had to be stopped by uh, the police in the end. But he then got arrested because he had taken it too far. That's where you don't think, okay, where does our self-defence let us go? What are our rules? And be consciously aware, being civil and trying to work out what should I do? I know what I can do. What should I do? That's a really big question. I, I do have one thing. You, you said you said there about uh, how far do we take it and, and yeah. how far do we take You know, and like I said, I've had very different training than, than the two of you. But it's always, at least in, in my experience, I, I've always had to ask myself that same question to an extent where you're taking someone into custody if you're going to arrest somebody. And again, sometimes those situations can be very heated, especially if you're going after organized crime suspects because they already have a a warrant for their arrest. They've got years on them. They don't want to go back to prison. So you don't know what kind of situation you're going to be dealing with. And so sometimes in those cases, it's gotten very heated when you go to effect an arrest on someone and take them into custody. But at at no time did I ever feel like that it forced me to step outside of what I was trained. As you said, it doesn't happen the way that they train you, right? It never happens that way. It kind of follows along those lines and you do follow that training as best you can, but it never works out the way they teach you. Never works that way. So you just have to, you have to kind of do the best you can with it. And again, I, th- I think it all comes down to, to the self-control of the person, how you're able to maintain that focus in a sense where you're stressed, your adrenaline's high, and everything's happening so fast. Because when you're in that situation, and, and the two of you have been in those situations, it happens really fast. And oh, yes. you, you oh, have yes. to try you have to try and process it. And it's we, we had the age old saying, it's always easy to play Monday morning quarterback, meaning all the American <laughs> football games are on Sunday. And you can look at it Monday morning and think, okay, what did I do wrong? Because you can go back and you can review and all that stuff. But you look at the situation and you can assess it afterwards of what you did or what you should have done differently, that that kind of thing. But it's the control. It's the control side of it. It's the character of the person and how they can deal with that situation on whether or not they escalate it or whether or not they step in and they, they maintain control of that situation. It's the person that I think is involved in that. Both parties, three parties, four, whatever. Or in Marty's case, yeah, 12, yeah. 12 versus one. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's it was the six at a time. Six twice. at a time. Yeah, okay. Well, it's yeah. yeah but well, you had the, you had the first six on the ground. They had to call six more to to get that uh, fixed. But 
again, you know, I, I think it, it all comes down to the person and their ability to to be able to manage that stress and maintain focus going forward to deal with it. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head there. Literally, control. It's that control. Once again, how can I control this situation? Now, if you're putting yourself in it and you're arresting a suspect, um, I've worked as an enforcement officer as well as doing security and all other bits and pieces. And you get to a situation where some people go, yeah, sure, I did that. I put my hands mm-hmm, up to it. Mm-hmm. You can take me take me away to that. And then you get the others go, no, I'm not. I never did that. I'm not going <laughs> to take you take you apart as much as I can wink at you. And yeah. Then it was. They will smile and they will be nice as pile and then they'll stick the knife in you as you're actually trying to talk to them. So it's, it is a really odd situation when you're putting yourself into harm's way, trying to control a situation. This is what I said about your loved ones as such. If you are now stepping into a situation which you're now trying to control that involves sometimes other people and or somebody you know, you then have that added issue, that added controlling factor you've got to think about. A couple of times I've had to put a couple of guys in handcuffs. It was it was very, very simple. It was a case of just sat the guy in the end, because I'm a big chap anyway, put the guy on the floor and you sat on him. I said, not going to get off until the cops arrive. So you can either squirm as much as you like, lose your breath, or you can just sit there and be comfortable. So we put the handcuffs on him and away you jolly well went. Um, so again, it's, it's that control. How do you talk to a guy how do you bring that person down can you actually say look i've got nothing in my hands i'm going to talk to you i'm going to try and get you to understand i've got this job to do and i'm going to do it whether you like it or not if you resist i will take that one step further and another so in that situation your personal self-defense becomes different because you're now trying to control the situation on top of being socially aware and also being aware for yourself, health, safe, health and safety and people around you and so forth. And sometimes those situations I've seen others pile onto one guy in particular who was very, very violent. And they didn't give him a chance. They literally did not give him a chance. They knew who he was. They just jumped him, sat him on the floor, took him away. And I thought, brilliant. No one got shouted at, hurt or anything. They just knew the situation, looked at it, go, go. And not a word was said. Was it's confidence too. It's, it's yeah. confidence too. Because you, when, when you step in and you say, when, as you said, you're, you're making yourself a part of that situation, you're stepping into that. It has to be, and I think you even touched on it earlier, has to be that standpoint of confidence that you can take control of that situation. You walk up absolutely. to somebody and, and you have to do it with an amount of respect as well. You can't just walk oh, up and, and throw your weight around because you're not going to get anywhere like that because you're already walking into a tense situation. So you need to set forth that you're going to control the situation and you're going to do it confidently and from a, a point of you're the authority figure in that sense, because you need to assert that they're the ones that are flailing and and doing whatever it is they're doing, acting belligerently. And you need to try and calm that situation down. So if you can take the focus off of whatever it is they have and redirect it towards yourself, I mean, this is how I was trained to to try and take control of the situation. The term we use was called therapeutic rapport because you you're trying to talk someone down and you're trying to redirect the focus from, say, like a domestic situation or whatever it might be onto you. You need them to talk to you. You need them to be focused on on what you're trying to ask them. So that, to me, I think is is where it comes in. And you have to be you have to be confident. You have to have that confidence yes. about yourself. And it takes time. Absolutely. It takes a long time to build that. And that's this is exactly you know, that situation when I had those lovely gentlemen outside the shop. Uh, I actually started my conversation. I was very confident. First person come towards me, going to go home with a broken leg. He went home with a broken leg. And so it, it was that that internal confidence I was could do that i knew how to do that and i was going to go for it was i happy about it no i mean i've got into personal fights with people who i dislike intensely and it went very bad for the other person it's nothing to be proud about it's nothing to go oh it's so fantastic and it really is again looking at situations i mean for example if you look at um a riot uh, or a lot of people having a go at each other. You have one side, the other side. We have this monkey mentality where you'll see a surge come forward and then it'll be rebounded and a surge come forward and rebounded. And then take one of those or a couple of those lot to actually make impact and cause a problem. And then the big fight kicks off. As long as you've got one person out front shouting, this is the gorilla mentality, everybody's safe. Because that just wants to make lots of noise and see me, look at me. And so we have that situation. You can watch it in football matches. You can watch it on the streets and the riots and go on in London and so forth. We see it in the terraces in our football games where people are rushing forward and putting back. But again, we see this situation in this country where 
people are standing up for themselves because these lads are being loud or they're kicking small children over or whatever. And a, a grown-up will come forward to try to have a conversation and it goes south very quickly. No one is going to step forward. No one's going to help out. No one's going to come forward. So this poor soul standing on their own. The monkey mentality starts off. One gets a hit in and they pile in on top. That guy, even though he was doing the right thing, shouldn't have been there in the first place. He should have been phoning the police. He should have been trying to control the situation. Being in that situation, just trying to save individuals, get them out of the way, let the lads do whatever they want to do. So self-defense in some forms is a case of, again, looking after you. You're the main character. You're the person who's going to survive this. And it's a survival out of all this. Not a case of, oh, I can punch somebody in the eye and knock their brains out of their backside. No, it's a case of, I've got to survive this situation so I can go home to mom and dad or go home to my wife or whatever. So for those people who are not well-trained or or haven't done self-defense classes, are not confident, think about situational awareness. Think about yourself and and how healthy you need to go home. That's really what it comes down to. So I think... I, I think that we're lucky being trained and being passing that knowledge on and being there for people to help them have that gain that confidence to see the situation and control it the best they can. That's your best form of defense ever, I think. Uh, GP, are you back? G- GP, are you back? Absolutely, I'm back. Okay. Uh, can, can you get a little closer? And Mar- Martin has a question. Yes. So yeah, sure. Right again, right yeah, ahead. yeah. We've, we've been monopolizing the time. Uh, it's okay. A lot. But I. You know, a little while ago when we were talking about situational awareness, mm-hmm. um, I remember you'd had an incident recently, mm-hmm. um, and it, it was more that it was yeah, it was more than one person as well, wasn't it? Is there anything well, you you feel you could have done self defense wise in that situation? I mean, I don't know if you've got any training at all. We haven't. I do. That. I'm ex military, just like yeah. pretty much everyone else here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> but I do spend some time in. Yeah. Uh, so so you've, yeah. you've got some skills, but was there anything but, you could have done in that situation that would have, um, I don't know, what, what did you do in that situation? Well, one of the, one of the most difficult situations is to determine, is to assess, is this really a dangerous situation? Hmm. Is this just somebody that's anti- just like wanting to cause problems, but doesn't have the nerve? Or is this someone that's really going to ha- cause problems? And what's the threat level? And those yeah. are the things you have to you discern first. Because, you know, it's like, okay, this guy looks like a threat. I'm going to go jump him. You know, you, yeah. you can't do that. <laughs> no, You want to do that, but you can't. Just, wait, it doesn't work like that? It doesn't Okay, if you're on the left, it does. If you're on yeah. the left, it does. Yes, because <laughs> if you see a MAGA hat, you're allowed to attack aggressively in every manner you find fit, including milkshakes with cement, <laughs> fists, guns, knives. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. But if a guy's approaching you with a knife in hand screaming, I'm going to kill you, mother, mother, whatever, I'm going to kill you, you still have to assess the situation, whether he's serious about it or not serious about it. That is the problem that we've come across here in the United States, is identify, really identifying a threat. I mean, it's if the gentleman is, say, much smaller than you, say he's three foot one and <laughs> you're six foot nine, mm-hmm. is the threat really there? Well, I mean, possibly, because if I can't reach down enough <laughs> because of a stiff back, I'm not going to stop that stab to the legs. Yeah, you might have kneecaps off. Yeah. yeah. But, Correct. But you, you do have to take that assessment. Another difficulty is, is if you can't flee, here's the thing about what's gone on in this country is the ability to flee. Mm-hmm. If you're prevented from the ability to flee, then we can discern that there is a problem. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, somebody's coming at you with a knife and, you know, you go, you well, do a wrist, wrist break. If you yeah. haven't dropped the knife, drop the knife and you stab him in the knee at the same, you know, take his knife, stab him, whatever it may be, whatever, whatever maneuvers you're doing. And you cause a lot of damage, but he really wasn't a high risk. You're going to go to jail here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we have got a He was just showing power. you the knife. He was just <laughs> showing you the knife. Yeah, yeah. And you misunderstand his intentions. If in someone, his language, I'm going to stab you, I'm going to stab you in the face, means, mm. hey, I think you need a knife for protection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we've got this idea that if someone is uh, yeah, brandishing a knife out in front of them, they are more scared of you than you are of them. 
it's it's a way of them trying to take control of the situation. If someone intends to put a knife in you, you won't even see the knife until it's stuck in. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, we, we've also got a saying that you run towards the guy with the knife and away from the guy with the gun. Um, that's not the case. I don't know why you guys are. Is that is that an expression or is that? No, no, no. That, 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 that's that's kind of a principle. Because Why? Because if, the guy with you, the gun, you need to close the distance to prevent him because a gun can shoot. It's got a long range. The knife has. you want to move away from. It if has. they're a good shot, they are. If, if they're a good well, shot, yeah. normally with handgun, <laughs> if you can get more than 20 feet away uh, and, uh, and, and don't do not do what that Stark boy did and run straight, you've got a zigzag. All right? Yes, so, absolutely. But if someone's got a knife and you turn and run, the next thing you know, that knife's hitting you in the back. So. Well, with, with, with a guy with a knife, you're... so someone throwing a knife, you're saying is more accurate than someone shooting a gun. <laughs> um, no, I'm not saying they will throw the knife, TP. I'm saying they will chase you and stick the knife in you. So, so the guy with the gun, he well, can chase you with the gun and bump unless, up a lot of unless you Unless you know how to take a gun off someone. Yeah, the, the difficulty them. is it's like when we, the knife versus gun training. Like if you're the knife wheeler yeah. versus the gun training, I can generally stick three out of five. I was able to stick my knife in before I was actually pelted with that. Oh, we need to gun. meet up. I need to. I need to change your perspective of that. <laughs> well, no, but you have to. You have to understand the movement the situation. The guy with the gun is to make a statement, like, "Hey, I want your money." It's not. I have the gun. Bam! Shoot. Well, it's not that kind of scenario because the, that's not as often as it happens. Yeah, if yeah. the person's going to shoot you, they're going to shoot you before you could do anything, anyways. So you don't even have the opportunity to run or stand your ground or move forward. You don't have any opportunity. They're just going to shoot you. What you're the only time that you have an advantage or are able to do something is if that individual is stalling for something like the nerve to shoot you, uh, the decision of they're going to continue forward with this. Are you more of a threat than they are? You know, you got that opportunity and those few seconds, you could close 10 feet incredibly fast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I accept all that. But the um, it's it's the same principle, isn't it? If they are yes. stalling, if they're holding the gun in front of you and demanding your wallet, yes. give me your wallet. Give, give me your wallet. wallet. Yeah. Absolutely. However, the wallet ain't worth the bullet. However, if they're brandishing a knife and they're they're pissing their pants at the same time, chances are that guy you could probably deal with. But the guy One knife with the, wound. Yeah. But it's again, it's again whether you're confident enough to do it. Yeah. Well, the last guy that pulled a gun on me was in Nassau in the Bahamas, and I kicked him straight in the elbow. The gun went flying through the air, and his arm bent the wrong way, almost 90 degrees. I was lucky then. I've since learned much better techniques for taking guns off people, but I've I've learned uh, how to take bladed weapons off people for, for a very, very long time. But then again, I've trained and... Bill is trained for years. When we, and when we years meet up, years. I'll show you all my knife scars. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's better to yeah. run. I'll, tell, I'll show you. You'll, you'll, I have a chest full. You'll, you'll, you'll really, <laughs> it's it's shocking. <laughs> but then again, surely it, it's it's down to social standing and things like that. In this country, we don't have so much guns. We have a lot of knife crime. A lot of people are not confident with gun, knives, and a lot mm. of the knives that we see being used are kitchen knives or chisels or screwdrivers and things like that because that's anything they can grab their hands on um there's a kind of form of desperation in using the knife and mm -hmm. so being close quarter and trying to get the damn thing off is better than turning your back on them but we don't have the I, I find so much move, the guns yeah well see you don't have the guns issue we have guns guns everybody's got guns you know it's yeah. it's guns only the bad only the bad guys have guns here they, wait a minute they they ban they banned guns that means there aren't any right no yeah, they should not have course. england can't yeah. have any guns they're yeah, banned yeah, yeah. right okay all right Absolutely. no grenades either right oh no grenades rocket launches no yeah. never rocket launches none of that stuff right no because they're banned okay. they're legal like over here drugs are illegal and <laughs> there are no drugs no, I, I think I, I think I need to, to wrap yeah, it up. I need to go. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's, let's go ahead. And, uh, me, me and GP got some business. You got some yeah, business got to, some to, to, yeah. to, to tend yeah. to. Okay, well, when I get yeah, when I get when I get over, uh, where where are you at? Which, uh, which I couldn't possibly the, uh, tell you. I'm a little bit, I'm a bit, little bit scared now, so I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys, if you guys, where could you at, do man? Us, huh? If you guys could, if you guys could do us a favor, 
if the two of you could do us yeah. a favor and, and mm-hmm. just when you do meet up and you do get in that altercation, mm-hmm. could you both wear masks so you're saving each other's life? Could could you please just do that? <laughs> that, that would be, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'm going to go with the Scooby-Doo mask. What are you going to go with? <laughs> it's about effective. I've always wanted to be Thelma. Well, okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> if, it's, if it's going to be a formal duel with uh, flint yeah. pistols, you'll be at least yeah. two meters apart anyway, so you don't have to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. We're going to have social. Di- we're going to socially distance, aggre- semi-aggressively, <laughs> with masks. With masks. Disarm each other with masks. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. look like we're gonna look like those girls that slap each other with their hands out in the air. <laughs> I, I need to let off the team because I challenged some libtard on Twitter to trial by combat earlier today. Are you he still declined. Here. We have he parlor now for a reason. Are you still on Twitter? I'm, st- right. I'm still on Twitter because I'm keeping an eye on the enemy and I'm making sure that I <laughs> I'm making sure that I troll James O'Brien every day. You know, okay. not one day goes by without I don't call him up on something okay well i tell you what i want i would like to give our uh i would like to give our guests i'd like to give uh mr campbell the uh the final thought this evening so anything that you would like to um anything you'd like to wrap up on anything you'd like to tell the listener out there since you're an instructor anything you want to kind of summarize uh everything you've talked about tonight and what advice you would give them hang on before he does that can someone check bruce for a pulse Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> hey, there he is. Bruce so, is taking notes. He's taking notes. So, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's like, Sorry, okay, Bill. so I take, I grab the wrist. Right. Time. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Well, quite simply, whatever you do, self-awareness, self-defense, martial arts or whatever, read the situation, mm-hmm. understand the situation, be in control of the situation. But above all, and I mean above all, stay safe. Because without you, the world's going to be a sadder place, isn't it, really? He means me, by the way. I was, oh, was okay. going to say it. Okay, uh, okay, I was, okay, I was okay. waiting for like this little violin to start playing, but it just, it just. <laughs> no, <wasn't there>. just <laughs> well, yeah, I want everybody to stay on my nice list come Christmas. So I've got to be nice. Uh, right, Father now yeah, now right, the Father plot Christmas. thickens. Yeah, Father Christmas. No, it's no. Uh, that's um, no. I, I just I want to thank you for being here tonight because uh, I tell you what I I've learned a lot having you in here i mean I, i'm not a I'm, I'm not a mr know-it-all by any means and to to hear somebody else especially an instructor with your type of status to hear you guys especially uh, you marty to hear you guys go back and forth and talk about the things you've learned the experiences you've been involved with it's really educational from my standpoint as well i mean like i said I, i've known some things i've had obviously different training than all the rest of you but you know I, I still i still feel like i'm walking away like i actually learned something else tonight so i just want to thank you for coming on tonight and that's an open invitation you're welcome to come back any night you like we're here seven Love days a week we're here seven days a week you can donate an invitation you can pop in anytime you like like i said we're not scripted so you can have a conversation on anything you know you can weigh in on whatever whatever we got but thank you for being here tonight bill okay fantastic thank you very much indeed absolutely so i will plug our social media uh since you can follow marty over on twitter uh you can't follow him on parlor anymore he's left us we we don't uh i have not left parlor (laughs) i've given katie hopkins a right stiff talking to today on parlor did you what'd you tell her what'd you tell her well, the the thing was, she she put something up about that horrible little ginger dwarf up in Scotland, the one that's constantly trying to break up the union. Yes, uh, and then and then mentioned our failing social health service, the NHS. the NHS. And look, we've had this conversation many times. I am, I think, a, a very similar way to most of you guys. However, when Donald made that mistake of saying that the NHS is on the table. And then you've got Nigel Farage cozying up with all the um, health insurance company bosses. And now you've got Katie Hopkins saying things like our failing social health service. It worries me. Hands off the NHS. There's going to be no big takeover by the US companies of our NHS. We won't have it. End of chat. So that's essentially what I said to Katie Hopkins today. Good stuff. I didn't realize. Good stuff. Yeah, I didn't realize that uh, that she had said that. I, I wasn't paying that much. I saw some stuff she posted well, I, this morning, but I, like I say, I I'm on social media, on Twitter, and on Parler. I don't like the idea of having just one platform that just echoes your own opinions, which is yeah. what Twitter really is, because it's 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 a safe place for libtards. Um, okay, yeah, hey, you know, yeah. I really. The, hey, can we say left or right? 
I'm a liberal in many senses of the word. Of course you are, but you're not like these ones. These are the virtue signaling snowflakes (laughs) that is making this world a more and more dangerous place. And me more and more likely to use the full extent of my martial arts next time I get the chance. Now, now, patience. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Self-control, self-control. Assess the situation (laughs) and decide what you need to do. Take the, take the, take the sort of stance. Hang on, didn't, didn't, didn't we round this whole show up a few minutes ago? We did. I need, I need (laughs) to This This is a second roundup, okay? Round two. (laughs) We do. Right. Keep this bit in because it's, it's cracking stuff. Um, (laughs) And uh, again, we want to do one. We you said the other day we're going to do another one on comedy. So, listener, we will be doing another one on comedy. I want Bill to come in on that one, and we can oh, yeah. expand that further out into the, all of the arts because that's another subject he knows a great oh, deal about. Just going to yeah, tell you one thing though. Before, before, before gentlemen, we I'm not getting offended that you guys are before we started about making something funny. <laughs> yeah, before <laughs> exactly. We can't. We got to be so serious. Be, you've got to be there. You've got to be there. I, I, I'm, I'm being triggered. <laughs> a, a little light moment and all the, the mayhem. Anyway, well, they, they like our take on things because we're what, what do I, what do I say in the beginning? We're no nonsense. Yeah. So we, it's yeah. going to be hard to do comedy with no nonsense. But anyway, so let me go ahead and close this out. So you can give us a follow over on the platform of Parlor. Now that we've calmed down and we're not uh, we're not joking around any longer, you can give us a follow over on the platform of Parlor. You can follow me over there. I'm at Jay Anderson three. You can follow Marty at Marty Foster unless he's deleted his account and gone back to Twitter with all the mobs. So <laughs> you can follow him over there. I'm just joking. Yes, you can follow him on Parlor as well. We do welcome the feedback, the likes, the echoes, the upvotes. Uh, the comments, the, any feedback that you do give us, you can parlay to both of us, uh, and we're happy to answer any questions or feedback that you give to us, good or bad, good or bad. We like it all, don't we, Marty? So good or yes, bad. Yes, we do. So, okay. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time tonight. You're very welcome. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, GP, and thank you, Bruce. Yep. And screw you guys all if you don't pick up trash. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Oh, if I oh, wow. hear that you guys have picked up trash this week, I'm going to get really upset. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. <laughs>